0: Good morning. I'm Sarah. Um, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. And um, like I said, I wanted to. Um, we're going to be kicking off our new a new teaching series. Not next week. Next week we're going to pray and commission Emma and San and they're going to share a bit with us, which should be great. And the week after that, we're going to kick off our new um, teaching series. Um, so I wanted to do a little bit of a one-off this morning. And I actually did want to talk about game changers and things we're launching that um, with our kids this morning. Um, And I want to kind of, I suppose, unpack a little bit of the heart behind that. And, you know, Sarah's, um, Sarah Cornfoot, who writes all our curriculum for kids, is going to be kind of weaving that theme through the, you know, the teaching she's already got in terms of just, just as a way of articulating, actually, what, you know, what does it mean that actually God comes and changes things for us, but also that then we are commissioned to go and do the same. So I want to look at that. If you've got your Bibles, um, you want to dive into Ephesians 2, that's where we're going to be this morning. Great passage of scripture. Um, We're going to read the first seven verses of chapter two in Ephesians. So I'm going to pray, and then then we'll dive in. Father, I want to thank you that you're with us. I want to thank you that you're for us, that you love us, and you are absolutely never going to change your mind about that. Um, Father, thank you that you're so faithful, you're so unchangingly good towards us. Um, I want to thank you for your word, ask that it would come and bring light and life to each one of us this morning. We'd be changed from being with you and in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's read Ephesians 2, um, verses 1 to 7. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's an amazingly rich passage, isn't it? I'm not going to break it down kind of verse by verse, but this is just one of those definitive passages in Scripture um, that Paul particularly often does in his letters where he just just puts out the gospel again, just says, just remind again, this is what God's done. And this is a really good example of um, the change of the gospel. So he starts off with the first uh, three verses talking about where we were, you know, And he includes all of us in that. He says, you were dead in your transgressions. You, know, you did live gratifying the cravings of your flesh. All of us were, by nature, deserving of God's wrath. We all had sinned and fallen short. He's talking very much about where we were. But then in verse 4, there's the change. And this is, um, is one of the first key points that we're going to kind of be going with our kids is that, listen, Jesus is the ultimate game changer. Everything changed when Jesus came. That's the good news, that once we were but now we are, which is totally what Paul's doing in this passage, isn't it? He's saying, once you were, but now you are. Everything is different. And so the game has changed for good forever. And, and this, is what, this is what this passage is saying. Like it, it has, it's, the game's changed for good forever for all of us. And notice what, one of my, um, I love my favorite verse in this bit, is verse four. Um, if you notice, you know, God's motivation for intervening and, and coming to rescue and change things for us his motivation was because he loves us so much so he f- spends the first three verses saying "Look, this is where we were deserving of god's wrath you know living you know dead in our sins but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy There's other translations say but god loved us so much and is so rich in mercy he made us alive in Christ. That's the moment when things change. That's the good news. And God's motivation is, is that he loves us. He loves us so much. He's so rich in mercy and that he's grace to us that he's he changed the game. He made us alive in Christ. And, and more than that, raised us up and seated us with Christ. That's incredible. And there's amazing purpose in it. Verse seven, in order that in the coming ages, so from that time, now, so we are still in those coming ages so right now in you and i he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us like you are a demonstration to the world of the incomparable riches of god's grace his amazing kindness you are an example and a letter to the world of god who is so very kind he wants to point at you as an example of his grace it's amazing Amazing purpose in it, so Jesus, if you like is he is the perfect and most complete example of god's absolute commitment to intervene in people's lives and rescue people. so in Jesus, God met you know our most you know I, we need to be really clear, our most important need was is spiritual salvation, like that is the most pressing issue in anybody's life. There's lots of things that we need, but the the primary need is our spiritual condition and being connected to Father God, and in Jesus God met that need once and for all. He so he solved permanently the most critical issue we had, which was being dead in sin. That was a major problem. Um, God solved it in Jesus. But so Jesus is, is the is the most perfect and complete. He's is always the standard we look at in terms of God's heart to intervene and change things in people and on behalf of people. You know God's heart is always to intervene. But if you look through The whole of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, is packed full of people's stories in different situations, different circumstances, with other specific challenges or problems. Um, And consistently we see it's God who intervenes, who comes and changes the game for them. And all of those things, every time we read those things in the Bible, it gives us permission and it points us to believe for, to ask for and expect that God would intervene on our behalf too. It's not that we forget the primary need that has been fulfilled in Jesus, which is our spiritual condition, but God didn't sort of settle that one for us and then sit back on an armchair and stop intervening. God is still committed to intervening on our behalves, and we should expect that. We should expect that. And just, I mean, this is just a few off the top of my head examples in, we see in the Bible. Um, examples, again, of, of God's intervention that changed the game and took people from one place to another. So blind Bartimaeus is one example of the countless healings that Jesus did. He went from sickness, from blindness, to complete health because God intervened. How about Moses and the Israelites at the Red Sea? You know, from there's so many points in that story, isn't there, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt? But particularly, you know, at the Red Sea, they were at a point of complete dead end. Yeah, yeah, Red Sea in front of them, Egyptian army coming up behind them. Total obstacle, dead end, no way forward. They went from that to God's intervention making a miraculous way forward. We I mean, sang about it this morning. Jehoshaphat, one of the brilliant kings in the Old Testament, there's been two kings where it talks about there was an army coming against Jehoshaphat. And the, the phrase that's used, it was an overwhelming army. So numerically, it was like, we have got no chance. So, you know, and Jehoshaphat, it's a beautiful story of him kind of coming and getting the word of the Lord and, and, and leading out um, the Israelites. So he went from this position of, you know, overwhelming enemies coming against him to, through God's intervention, total victory. About the woman caught in adultery, beautiful story in John's gospel. She's dragged before Jesus. And they said, what would you say to her? You know, so she went from a place of judgment and stigma to absolute forgiveness and acceptance when she met with Jesus, when Jesus intervened. And Zacchaeus is another one, you know, totally rejected, you know, really isolated, not thought well of in that kind of context. But Jesus intervened and said, I'm coming to your house. So he went from rejection to acceptance and fellowship. Paul went from being you know, an enemy of God's people a you know, murderer of God's people to, you know, maybe the greatest builder of the church we've ever seen. God's intervention, it changed everything. The brilliant story in the Old Testament, do you know, Elisha, the story, there's a widow who was facing financial ruin. She had nothing, absolutely destitute. Um in God's intervention, she basically gets the, gathers up all these jars and there's this miraculous oil that keeps coming, keeps coming. She has so much that she's able to sell it, pay off her debts. So she went from destitution to total financial restoration because of God's intervention. Like, some of you need to hold on to that. That's what God wants to do. He wants to come and change the game. David and Goliath, we all know that story, don't we? From fear and intimidation to victory and celebration. Like, things change when God intervenes. The game changes when God steps in, and He is committed to still doing that for you and I. So all of these stories, and and all the testimonies that we get to share, you know, when we do Our Church, My Story, and we hear how God is changing people's situations and using them to change things, like, all of that, that's not just for kind of, oh, that's nice for them. Like, that is an invitation for you to say, God could do that for me, too. God could use me to do that too, because he's still committed to intervene. There's still examples that God wants to point to of God's kindness and his grace. It points to him. So you need to tell your story. You need to share your story. But the most complete and perfect example of God's intervention is with Jesus, when he stepped in in human form and the game changed for good forever. But that's not it. That is awesome. That would be more than enough. You know, for us (laughs) forever. But it isn't just that, like, because the game keeps on changing. Because, like I said, God is still committed to step in and intervene. The game keeps on changing. So there's this, there's the dramatic, miraculous change that Jesus brought for us, taking us from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Like that. But that change, that moment in our history when we said yes to Jesus, and it's not that. That was God's intervention, and the game changed then, and that's amazing, and then just hang on till heaven. Like that, that's not it. God's heart for intervention remains. You know, the power of the cross reaches through history and still changes things now, in a moment. You know, we should still have an expectation and belief for the dramatic, suddenly, miraculous intervention of God where, in a moment, someone is taken from sickness to health, you know, from separate to God to restored home. Like, we should believe for the miraculous intervention of God because the game keeps on changing, because God keeps intervening. But also there's that process of change with us. So our primary spiritual condition is fixed. The point you say yes to Jesus You are saved. You are accepted by God. You're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. It's done completely. But there's that ongoing process of change within us as well as we walk with him. So we change, but also things around us change as God keeps changing me and changing my situations. That ongoing process of change that is just the normal when we walk with the Lord. We just we need to deal with it. You know, I think we need to have an equal value and appreciation for the dramatic suddenly where you could point to a moment and say, before I was here, afterwards I would hear, and just in a moment God intervened and changed it. But, you know, it's just as valuable when we walk through things and you think, I'm not quite sure at what point, but I was there and now I'm here. And there's been a bit of a process. And, you know, I can point to things in my life where I could tell you, I could tell you a specific time, place, moment, who was praying for me, what was happening when something changed. I could point to those things and I'm thankful for them. It's an important part of my walk with the Lord where you suddenly change. But, you know, there's other things where almost without noticing, you kind of look back and I'm thinking, wow, I don't think like that anymore. I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm not quite sure when that happened. But it's as you walk with Jesus, it's like some of these things just kind of fall off you. And listen, we need to have an equal value for both. Some of us, you know personality types probably are more comfortable with one or the other, but I would say to you, they're both really important and they're both ways that God changes us and changes our situation. Um, They're both wonderfully precious, wonderfully valuable. And listen, you need to be okay with how God chooses to do it um, for how and when and through whom, how he intervenes and brings change. Know that he is and he will and he will keep doing it but trust that he knows what he's doing. There's that beautiful verse, I've mentioned it lots. You know, it talks about, in the Old Testament, one, I think it's the Song of Moses, where he's just kind of declaring who God is, and he says, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. Now, in my head, that means what he does, and the way he does it, is absolutely bang on. I can trust him. So what he does, and the way he does it, and sometimes I think we grapple a little bit with how God chooses us to do it why not now and why you know but he's good all of his work and all of his ways are perfect and just so what he does and the way he does it is good it's right so there's that change you know the game keeps changing as process you know and sometimes you know i can think of times where i've been i've been desperate for that i just in that momentary uh, rescue me just desperate for that you know but sometimes god just doesn't do it that way you know and you know my encouragement to some of you who may be in those when you're just like desperate for god to come and intervene and change it it's like enough already now you know i need that change now and but there's genuinely things that i'm like gosh in process i've learned stuff that i'm hand on heart grateful for now you know in the moment when i was at my worst struggle with insomnia and anxiety i would have given my right arm to be out of it that's my left arm i'd have given my right heart like I, i was desperate i'm just like god just get me out of here um and it wasn't instant. It was process. Um, but I'm genuinely, I learned things and I feel like God's shown me things and taught me things and given me compassion and understanding. And actually, it's an authority in things that, it, genuinely, That I, I hand on my heart, I'm, I'm actually even thankful for those seasons now. Even though when I was in them, I was desperate to be out of them. Um, but I'm thankful for them now because his work is perfect. His ways are just. And he's changed me and led me through things. And there's, been, there's such... There's such beauty in that process. So if you're in that place, hang in there. He will bring that change. He is bringing change. Um, But we have to be okay with the fact that, look, walking with the Lord is not just one dramatic change at conversion, but that is a start of a journey, Um, that we are changed, that we're made mature, that we're restored, that we grow. And we need to commit to that journey. We need to expect that that that's what walking with the Lord is all about. So in 2 Corinthians 3 really famous verse. It says that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image, the image of the Lord, from one degree of glory to another. Other translations say we're being changed from glory to glory and to glory and to glory. It's process. You can't escape it for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. God is about changing us through process. And Ephesians 4, this is a verse we've looked at before when Paul's talking about, listen, these are the gifts that God's given to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he says the reason we've given these five specific gifts is to equip the people for works of service so that, verse 13 of Ephesians 4, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's process. So you think about your kids. Like we don't suddenly go from a two-year-old to a 20-year-old. That would be weird. Like maturing is a process. It takes time. There are bumps in the road. Those of you who have kids at different st- like it's is a process maturing. It doesn't stop when we become grown-ups either, I've found. There are bumps in the road as I'm on this journey to maturity. Um, I need to be in the body of Christ. I need the gifts that God's given to the body, otherwise I'm not going to become mature. Um, But just notice, the maturity that God is after is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's an unbelievable amount of fullness. Like that and I'm not there yet, nowhere near. So I still have some change. So the game needs to keep changing. But Lord is with me and in me on that journey. But clearly those verses are talking about process. It's not a sorted at conversion, tread water till heaven. There's process in restoration and rebuilding. The Bible is full of those promises. But I think the thing to remember in all this, when um, when we are in and we're all in different ways in that process of change you know being stretched challenged or even you know even when it's not necessarily stuff that god's doing in us even when it's like actually stuff changes life changes you get a new boss you know there's a restructure at work you, know, you have kids life changes massively you know your financial situation like things change all around you know we move house we move to a new area kids are starting new schools like change is a normal part of life it's not always easy You know, some people find it way hard. I'm not good with change. I really don't like change, don't like risk, don't like confrontation. That's not a strong suit for a leader, let me just tell you. That's not a great set of, yes, I don't like risk, change, confrontation. I'll be a leader. I've had to work on those things because actually, you know, that's... Anyway, that's by the by. I'm not good with change. I would like things just to stay the same, but they don't and they can't. And so I'm with you if you're one of those people who are like, oh, I just don't like change. But change is, is normal. And whether it's you know, change that we've chosen, we've chosen something different and it's new and that's a challenge, or whether sometimes almost change sometimes is inflicted on us, isn't it? And that's hard too. But then there's that ongoing change of the Lord restoring us and changing us into the image of Jesus so that the character of Jesus is formed in us. It's process but wherever you find yourself in change what's changing whether that's within you or surrounding you you need to remember that unchanging truth of the gospel that the game changed forever for good and you're his god's intervention has taken us from death to life that doesn't change and that is our anchor when everything else is changing the gospel is where we stand there's a beautiful amber brooks song and it's amazing. She's one of my favourite worship leaders. She has this beautiful line that says, "The unchanging One is forever changing me." Like, and that—that's the journey, isn't it? That's the walk. God is unchanging, faithful, good, kind, perfect, and just in all His ways. He never changes, but He's constantly changing me, and that's good. That's the walk. That's the journey. You know, the kingdom doesn't keep still. Kingdom is always moving forward, and we are being changed from glory to glory. So the game has to keep changing. That is, that is our new normal. We need to be okay with that. But know that God is with you in that change. And then the third thing, so the game has changed for good forever, but the game keeps on changing, but also now that we are now game changers, which is what I'm so excited about with our kids. They're all going to come back with a little welcome pack with their badges that says, I'm a game changer. And like it's, we're writing that over their lives. You are a game changer. So in Matthew 5, I mean, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Like it's not true that change just happens to us or around us. The fullness of what the Bible says is that actually change also happens through us. You get that? Change just doesn't happen to you or in you, it happens through you. Because you are now commissioned to be a game changer. You are now commissioned to bring change. Let me read a bit from um, John 20. So this is after um, Jesus has died, come back to heaven, and he's, he's come back to, this is where he meets um, some of his disciples for the first time. So this is John chapter 20, verse 19. It says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Like, even just pause for a moment there. You know, that meeting with God changes everything. It just, just, that's why we, we prioritize so much time just to be in God's presence and to worship and to meet with him because it changes everything. When we meet with Jesus. You know, so there, here they are, these disciples, locked away for fear of the Jews. And Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. Again, another example. Jesus intervenes. He comes into where we're hiding, where we're fearful. He comes in and says, peace. It changes everything. And it goes on, verse 20. After this, he said, um, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's quite a sobering verse, I think. I am sent, you are sent, in the same way that the Father sent Jesus. Just the same way. You know, so where Jesus radically intervened and changed people's lives and situations, like we're called to do the same thing, and we're commissioned with that same mission of Jesus. But the good news is we're not just just commissioned, we're also empowered. So he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because we know we can't do any of it without the Holy Spirit. Apart from me, Jesus says, doesn't it last subject: Apart from me, you can do nothing. But equally in Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So apart from him, I can't do anything. But in him and with him and through him, I can do all things because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit so we are commissioned with the same mission of Jesus but we're empowered with the Holy Spirit and the only way we can bring change is the Holy Spirit in us and on us um, but it's really important we recognize that you're sent just like Jesus was it says you know, he was sent to destroy the works of the enemy to preach good news to the poor bind up the brokenhearted, see beauty for ashes all those things we see in Isaiah 61 to change stuff up that's what we're sent to do and Holy Spirit in us and on us empowers us To do that. And that's for all of us. It's for everyone who believes in Jesus. That is your commission now. You are now a game changer. And Jesus promised it again. This is again um, from His Last Supper, John 14, 12 to 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, it's a very inclusive statement. Whoever believes in me, if you believe in Jesus, this is you, you're in. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Like, we're commissioned to be game changers, but there is a prophetic promise. Whatever you ask in His name, He'll do it. That's a huge statement. So, you know, just look at Jesus' three years, His earthly ministry. Just just what's recorded in the Gospels, and we know that's not all of it. You know, Jesus' time on earth radically changed people's lives. Countless people in amazing, miraculous ways. You know, in the supernatural healings and the raising the dead and the setting free the demon-possessed. But also in, you know, accepting and championing the outcast and the marginalized. You know, for kicking against the accepted religious and social norms at the time. All of that we're called to do and even greater things. You know, and you might feel like that just, I mean, and you really think that's just crazy because it's me. And it's like, well, it is you, but it's not. It's Christ in you. But I know what you mean. And we, you know, oftentimes when we feel really insignificant, we might feel totally outnumbered, totally overwhelmed by a situation or a circumstance and just think, you know, how can, how is change possible? And certainly, how can I be in any way part of bringing change? But, You know, listen, those feelings are not feelings that believers throughout the centuries and across the world haven't faced and don't still face. I think that's a common experience. Um, But listen, feeling that doesn't change the fact that radical change is possible. And actually, it's not just that it's possible, it's promised. And you're commissioned to go do it. It's not just that radical change is possible, it is promised. And we need to take seriously the mission and the promise of the gospel. So whether for you that looks like... You know, the one or two lives of maybe people you live near or you know, parents you meet at the school gate or a work colleague, the one or two people that you maybe have you have an opening to influence and to do life with and you can bring change. Maybe it is change in a business setting, in a workplace, maybe in family, maybe in society. You know, some of you are called to bring change at radically significant levels. Um, and I love looking at... Um, you know, reading some of the sort of the great saints in history, you know, amazing reformers who've changed things massively. There's, um, I'm sure you've heard this phrase. Um, this is by it's a guy called William Carey who was a Baptist missionary who um, basically was frustrated with what he saw as the sort of comfortable condition of the church in the UK, and he was kind of champing at the listen. The Great Commission is for all of us. And anyway, he went was a Baptist minister, uh, missionary to India. And um, 41 years he spent there, um, saw 700 converts, which in a country of millions might not seem that much, but he is sort of seen as the father of modern missionaries, and lots of missionaries, so Hudson Taylor, and all those sort of people were inspired by him, and, and nations have changed because of it. But he said this, he said, we should expect great things from God, but attempt great things for God. Because you're game changers, because you're commissioned, you're sent, just like the Father sent Jesus. So you should expect great things from God, but attempt great things for God. And I want us to be that kind of a family. Do you know, and even if sometimes you attempt it, and you fall flat on your face, that's okay. Sometimes, you know, going after change means sometimes we'll get it wrong. That's okay. Like how many, like if you think about your kids growing up to maturity, they're trying to walk for the first time, tie their shoelaces for the first time. Any of these ride their bike without stablers by the first time. That's change, that's growth, that's progress. But of course they fell over plenty of times. Of course they failed plenty of times. I don't think any one of you as a parent would have written them off at that point. You just pick them up and champion and say, come on, let's go again, you can do this. And most adults can now tie their shoelaces. I think. But think of some of these great Great, great reformers in, Christ, in Christian history—they were just one man and one woman, just like you and I, but with this Holy Spirit living in them. William Wilberforce, amazing. So he was a guy grew up normally as a Christian. Life radically changed um, at university when he met with Jesus and was kind of set on fire, become a Christian. And he campaigned—I'm sure you know—along with others um, for the abolition of slavery. And and we know about it now. We, we kind of know the story, and we're like, oh, yeah, William Wilberforce, and we don't have slaves anymore. But I think we forget what a radical change that was. You know, economically and socially, society was built in lots of ways on slavery. Like, they'd have looked at it at the time and said, that's no way possible. You know, people's mindset had to change. People's finances were dependent on it. You know, our politics was built on it. It was such... An unbelievable change. We look at some of the giants in our culture today and think, oh, it's just not possible. Listen, slavery was no less significant than the giants we see in culture today. And yet, people like this, for 18 years he campaigned in Parliament, persistently, you know, saying we have got to get rid of this plague of slavery. 18 years. But it absolutely changed this country and the whole of the British Empire, which at that time was a past empire all over the world radically changed in society who one man who convicted by god went after it sent just as the father sent jesus amazing change some of you are called to that level of change and there's other you know great heroes. martin luther king amazing one of my favorites you know inspired by rosa parks one woman just put a mark in the ground and said hey something, something needs to change just one woman saying, something needs to change. And, and it's, it's taking that ownership of, you know what, not on my watch. Something needs to change now in my family, in my city, in my school, in my workplace, in our nation. Actually, something needs to change, and we are agents of change. That should be us. Mother Teresa, as well as another, isn't she, beautiful example of just Jesus, you know, absolutely committed to live with the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. Just I think she was 18 when she first went on missions as a nun. It's now over 700 missions worldwide grown out of her work. But she said this amazing thing. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And listen, when you do those things, actually they become great things actually loving the one in front of you, you know, standing up for the marginalized, the oppressed, whatever it looks like for you, actually, that is a great thing. And It might seem like a small thing, but I think sometimes we have no idea what the legacy of that will be. Sometimes we don't even get to see, do we, the fruit of what we maybe plant, or we water, or we tend, but it's being faithful to do everything that God puts in front of us with really great love. And that's always, that if you look at Jesus' model, always, he did it all with great love, and if we live like that, doing everything that God puts in front of us with great love, we will see change. Change is possible. But I, you know, I want for us to receive, understand that receiving change and bringing change is both our inheritance and our mission. I want to finish with this other quote. I've definitely used this one before. It's one of my favorites. Mary Pitches is, um, is a lady who pioneered a lot of, sort of inner healing ministry in the church in the UK back in the sort of 70s, 80s. Amazing lady. She says this brilliant quote which I love it and she doesn't mince her words she says this the words this is the way I've always been I can't change are inappropriate for the Christian disciple not good enough not good enough so she's talking about listen change is within us being restored actually so that we demonstrate the character and the nature of Jesus in how we think how we speak how we treat our husband and our kids and how we are at work actually that we demonstrate and reflect and look like Jesus. And she's saying, to say, oh, this is the way I've always been, I can't change. That's just not good enough for us as Christians. And honestly, I think the same could be said for our situations. To look at situations and say, whether that's big or small, and say, this is the way it's always been, it can't change. Not good enough. To believe that is to deny the transforming power of the cross. It's to deny the over- Empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in us and on us. So to say, well, that's how it's always been. Can't change. It's not good enough. It's always possible. It means actually, if we have that mindset, I mean, maybe about you know, well, this, you know, our marriage is just petered out. This is how we are now. It can't change. Nonsense. That's living without hope. That's not who you're called to be. To say, you know, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to be you know living within my means and even saving. It's never going to be possible. I've just never been good with money. I can't change. Not good enough. Well, I've been sick for 10 years and God's not healed me. It's not. No. And I think so often the enemy can kind of convince us to head off down that way. But that's living without hope. And that's not who you are because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So in every situation, there's hope. Where's that? the song we sing when you walk in the room? The first few times I sung it, there was one line in it that really ticked me off. I was like... It grated. it says, um, "So when you walk into the room, every hopeless situation ceases to exist." And it bothered me. I was like, "Because I was like, well, are you saying that situations that look desperate, that look look on the outside, look hopeless? I'm, I'm not asking us to kind of go around with rose-tinted glasses. There are desperate situations around the world, devoid of hope." Now, so are we saying? You know, when, you know, when we're with Jesus, those things don't exist. We don't think about them. They don't matter. I don't think it is. It took me a while to connect the dots. But it's like, do you know what? When Jesus' presence intervenes, when the presence of God comes, the circumstances, the facts of a situation can remain entirely the same. But it's no longer hopeless. The situation's the same, but it isn't hopeless anymore because Christ in you, the hope of glory is there. It changes everything. And that's how we change the game, by just living with this hope that's in us, lending it out, and it's the same spirit, says it in Romans, same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Holy Spirit who inspired and enabled William Wilberforce lives in you. Same Holy Spirit who's in Heidi Baker, who to this day hasn't prayed for a person who's deaf and not see them healed. Same Holy Spirit who's in Heidi Baker is in me. It's the same Holy Spirit. So change is possible and it's promised and it is you're your de- your destined to bring, to receive change, but to release change. It is in every single one of us, in us and on us, to bring about and enable change. Change within us, whether that's in the moment, whether that's in process, but change around us. Whether it is that God dramatically changes your circumstances, amazing. But whether he radically changes you within your circumstances, that's fine too. And listen, that should be the normal Christian life. It's not good enough for us as sons and daughters to settle for the status quo and not hope for, believe for, and expect change. It's not always easy. It's not always immediate. But it's always possible. It is promised. So why don't you stand? And um, I want us to take a moment to pray for each other. Yes yeah, so Holy Spirit, we just welcome you.. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come and do whatever you want to do this morning, and would you come and do what only you can do and come and breathe life and hope and expectation in your people again? Jesus, we want to thank you for the truth of gospel that once we were dead, but now we are alive and seated with you. Thank you, God, for rescuing us. Thank you for intervening to change my life. And thank you, God, for all the times where you've consistently intervened and brought change. Changed my situations. Changed me, God. And Father, we want to say that we want to commit to walking with you. And God, for those who are in process in situations where they need change father would you sustain them would you encourage them give them eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing what you're saying and god we speak to every situation that people in this room are facing or know about or people they love are facing every situation where it looks hopeless we just speak Life, we speak, um, the power of Jesus into those situations that marriages would be miraculously restored, that bodies would be healed, that finances would be turned around, that relationships would be reconciled. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come, and Lord, I pray that you'd give us just the, that deep sense of that you're with us, and so that when we go into these situations you're gonna bring change and god we want we want you to use us we want to be people we want to be game changers god our kids are so far ahead of us in so many ways they're just expectation is well i would pray for people and people will get healed father we want that expectation we want that to be how we walk with you but thank you god that and um, change is promised thank you that you're um Your promise is that he that began a good work in us will bring it to completion. So, God, we trust our lives and our families and our marriages and our finance and our health. We trust ourselves into your hands, God, knowing you're going to continually do beautiful things in us and through us.
1: Just for a moment, I want to go after one thing. Um, when Sarah was talking about that story of the disciples who were uh, hiding for fear of their lives behind a locked door. You know, these were the, uh, the disciples give me so much hope because these were the guys that literally walked and talked with Jesus. They saw him do every miracle. So their expectation was this stuff is real. This, this uh, life of the kingdom that Jesus spoke about, it's real. I've seen it. And yet only a few days later, they found themselves in a locked door behind a locked door for fear of their lives and there's this beautiful moment where it talks about jesus actually not just opening the door and coming through but he literally walked through that locked door and i feel like that locked door represents fear because ultimately what what caused the disciples to go and hide was uh, the reality of fear and they locked that door for fear of their lives and for many of us we we um we feel fine in here. There's a, there's a safety, there's a comfort. and I, I, I love doing family with this community. It's beautiful, and we, we don't want. But when we walk out of this room, we are empowered sons and daughters who are, who are marked with the love of God to go and transform the areas where we have influence. We're all leaders, because leadership for us is just the influence on your life that God gives you to go and see change. But there's this moment where Jesus steps through that locked door comes through that locked door comes through fear and he and he's present and he's he's eye to eye with the disciples and he breathes on them and there's a infilling of the holy spirit that happens and it's at that moment where everything changes for the disciples that fear that caused them to to lock the door and, and and remain in hiding the game changed for them and we see the narrative through the the new testament of, of a small group of people who are who are who are radical transformers of of um, the situations they found themselves in but I believe that for many of us, we carry this reality of fear around us, especially when we um, we, we we head out into our workplaces or our streets or our neighbourhoods. There's there's like we're living undercover, and this place, even our, the church, has uh, become a sanctuary. Literally, our sanctuary has become a sanctuary, and uh, you know, we're not called to just gather and and be a you know this to be a bunker for us to be uh, hidden from the. Uh, for fear of the big bad world but actually there's a there's a truth and a reality and a power that is breathed into you and onto your life by the holy spirit that would cause you to walk beyond fear to leave fear behind and to allow love to define what the rest of your life looks like and so i i want to just invite the prayer team you guys know who you are come hang out over here on the left hand side um sorry you're right my left um, prayer team you just come and make yourself available and this this morning you know that um, that you have a real battle with fear it just you know when there's um, when there's you step out into the workplace you, you've almost remain hidden in your own family you no one knows that you follow Jesus you know there's there's fear attached to you when it comes to thinking about what your life looks like as you step into this reality of being a game changer I want you to come and pr- and get some prayer this morning prayer team we'd just love to stand with you and pray with you um, we may need a few more people, but these wonderful, smiley people would definitely love to stand with you and pray with you. And so if that's you. If you just want to respond to move beyond fear, move beyond the things that hold you back and step into what it looks like to become a game changer, then I would encourage you to do that. Place your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that um, as your kids, as your sons and daughters... That our lives are marked by a reality of love that cannot be separated from us. We can't, we can't um, remove ourselves from your love. But there's a deep reality to love, which is that fear cannot be present in the environment of your love. It just doesn't work. And so we just uh, declare over our lives that we would, each one of us, have a fresh revelation and a fresh experience, even now, of your love that it would cast out fear, that fear would be laid to, to to rest and love would dominate our thinking, our spirits, our feeling. We just say, love, would you come and rush in and transform our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, the prayer team will be around for the next little while. If you're here this morning you're sick, we'd love to pray for you. Um, But if you came here this morning, you know there's stuff just going on in your life, you'd love someone just to stand with you and pray with you, and then the prayer team would just love.